You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Killifer. Susie Hunt. And we are here for episode 131, continuing our month of hated films. This week is Susie's pick with Hellraiser Revelations from 2011. That's an hour and 15 minutes and directed by Victor (laughs) Garcia, who uh, I did not know these movies existed, but he also directed Return to House on Haunted Hill. Uh, 30 Days of Night Blood Trial. So there was a third 30 Days of Night film that I didn't know about. Huh. Uh, <clears throat> the Damned and An Affair to Die For. So we'll just and jump Mirror's right in. And Mirror's Part 2. What's that? And Mirror's Part 2, I believe. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize. I didn't see that one. That was another terrible movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so All those movies good. you mentioned were terrible or sound terrible. <laughs> he's, gar- he's garnered a reputation for shit. <laughs> We'll just jump right in. Susie, tell us what you think. Why'd you pick this? Well, I know I've said this multiple times on the show before, but this is the worst Hellraiser movie of them all. This is hour and 15 minutes. This is a very special episode. Hellraiser goes to Mexico. (laughs) To T... Wait, how's it? Tijuana. 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 Hellraiser does a donkey show. Yes, Hellraiser at the Donkey Show. And then you just picture Pinhead sitting there with like popcorn and oh, and Pinhead. It's like if you bought a good value Pinhead on Wish and they use like they use a cast of Bobby Moynihan's face. <laughs> Why would you just, insult Bobby, Bobby Moynihan like that? I know it's un, it's unfortunate, but it just it, it, oh. it reminded me and I, I had to show that to you guys yesterday. It really does look like like it's the it's the cheeks, the cheeks and the expressive eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I I remember Greg and I run to this movie when it came out and I was like, I don't know. Doug Bradley's not in it. It doesn't look promising. And we were both like, what the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> yep. Shane actually watched maybe the last 15 or 20 minutes and he's like. About Emma, he's like, why is she, why is she dressed like she's going to the club? I'm like, because that's how rich people in LA dress when they, you know, have just a casual dinner with friends. Mm-hmm. It was it was 2011. That's how all the kids were dressing. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, this oh. movie just it, it's just bad. It's and now bad. I'm glad that we're covering it because now we're sharing the hate with everybody else. Well, like, like I said uh, at the start when, when you first picked it, th- I'm kind of glad you did because now we can only move up. <laughs> like, even the worst Hellraiser film does not compare to how bad this is. So, like, everything exactly. that we have to watch after it, it's going to be good. <laughs> but, uh, Maurice, we'll toss it over to you. What are your thoughts on Hellraiser Revelation? It's garbage. <laughs> it, was, it was hell watching it. <laughs> and I felt like hell after watching it. Accurate. 
the revelation I came up with is it's probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yep. they, uh, there, there's I, I, I can't find anything positive to say about this movie. I mean, it was over. It was short. Yeah. That was probably the best part. It was an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes. I, I literally only have one scene in the entire film where I went, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. That was kind of creepy. <coughs> that was it. In the entire film, I have one scene. <laughs> and I was looking. I was trying to find something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you. This this is hot garbage. I, um, I saw it... I want to say soon after it came out. Um, it was. Didn't it go straight? Didn't it go straight to Netflix? Well, I think it, went um, it showed in one theater in California. Oh, did mm. it actually? Oh, I didn't know it went to theater at all. That poor I, theater. I know, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. The way you said that, it was like the theater had experienced trauma. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh, but yeah, I, I watched it and I didn't expect a lot because I saw that Doug Bradley wasn't in it. But I was also like, OK, well, Hellraiser, you know, five through eight. You know, there's some misses along the way, but they're overall not that bad. Like, I really enjoy part six and part eight, you know, five and seven. I'm like, yeah, OK, they're not bad, but, you know, they're not great. They're not I, great. Yeah. They're no bloodline. Right. <laughs> So and I speaking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying. I just expected at least something, but instead I got nothing. <laughs> I feel like I got poked in the eyes with Pinhead's nails. Like bad. Even even Judgment, and I know Judgment has gotten a lot of hate. Mm. Judgment is a much better movie. I yeah. actually enjoyed Judgment. I know that a lot of people hated it, but I I liked it. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I I still don't like the fact that it's it's not. Doug Bradley. Um, But I get it. You know, we have to have to move on sometimes. I can't get the same actors. But overall, I thought Judgment was a good story. And, you know, while the effects were low budget and everything, they were well enough that it it conveyed what it needed to. So it felt like a proper Hellraiser. But this. Oh, man, this was a one. This was a one and done, like uh, one draft script rushed production. I think it was like 11 days. Um, yep. And it shows like, let, let, let's not let's not bury the lead here. The only reason this film exists is because Dimension realized that they were about to to lose the rights to Hellraiser if they didn't make a, a sequel to Hellworld um, by I think it was what by 2000 or no, by 2010 or something like that. They had to have it done. I forget the exact date, but they needed to have it in the can by a certain date. Yeah. Um, so they they rushed it. They basically did a quick draft. Um you know, I had always thought that this was a, a, a shelf script, but I, I'm, I was mistaken. This was actually the first time that they wrote a Hellraiser uh, sequel f- um, after Bloodline. I guess part five through eight were all shelf scripts that were fit to a Hellraiser storyline, whereas hmm. this was actually written to be a Hellraiser movie, and it was just written to be a very bad one. <laughs> but, And I mean, you can kind of see that because there's a lot of elements that they just straight up steal from part one. It's like, yeah, okay, so you just basically copied part one just badly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can even re- when really they're tough. the scene where they're <coughs> Nico is summoning, I almost said the deadites, the Cenobites. Mm-hmm. He's kneeling on the floor with the candles around him, like Uncle Frank in part one. 
Yep. And then when Emma summons him, she's kneeling on the table, surrounded by candles, just mm-hmm. like Frank in part one. You know what bugged me the most about the the, the similarities between part one and, and this one is when we saw the blue light filter in the room when they would summon the Cenobites, we mm-hmm. see it through like the wood slats. Now, the only reason we saw that in the first movie was because Frank was doing it in the attic that had no damn insulation in the walls, So the walls were wood slats. So right. we were seeing the blue light. Why in a <laughs> motel room with, with full walls and in a, a finished home, do we get the same blue lighting? Like in the same, like with the same shadows thrown, like it just, it was, it was just an obvious copycat of the first scene. Yeah. For, oh, I couldn't stand it, but Real quick, we'll run down the the cast because these are a bunch of nobodies. <laughs> the uh, female Cenobite, played by Jolene Anderson, we would know her from Resident Evil: Damnation, Ray Donovan, uh, Agents of Shield, and she did some voice work for the Resident Evil Two video game. Uh, See Ross- that, that, okay. That's how you know it's a bad movie when mm-hmm. the unknown Cenobite is the first actress yeah. on the list. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we got Ross Craven, played by Stephen Brand, uh, Helsing, the Scorpion King, CSI, NCIS, and Teen Wolf. Uh, the Vagrant, played by Dan Baran. He was an American Gun, CSI, Criminal Minds, True Blood, Dexter, and General Hospital. Stephen Craven, played by Nick Eversman. He was in The Runaways, CSI, House of... Uh, 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 show House, I couldn't say. I almost said House of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> he was in House and Coming Agents next fall. of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> oh, this movie's so bad, it's getting me tongue-tied already. Um, we have Emma Craven, played by Tracy Fairway. She's in First Day and This Is Us. Uh, Nico, uh, was what was Nico's last name? Bradley. Craven. Bradley. Bradley, yeah. yes. Wes Craven, Doug Bradley. Yeah. Nico Bradley, Jay Gillespie, in 2001 Maniacs and Android Cop. Then Peter Bradley, Sebastian Roberts. He was in Lucky Number Slevin, Providence, Black Swan, and Northern Rescue. Then Pinhead, played by Stephen Smith Collins. He was in Castle, NCIS, Criminal Minds, and Unborn. Uh, Sarah Craven, played by Devon Savari. She was in Gilmore Girls, ER, and The Darkest Minds. And then finally, Kate Bradley, played by Sandy Van Hetteren, uh, The Chosen One, and Underworld The Awakening. So not a whole lot of people we would know from much. Um, and <laughs> we see why in this film. Their, their acting prowess is really on display. And shaky cam galore. I, I really think that they filmed it themselves. They were like, here's a camcorder. This mm-hmm. is going to be part of the movie. <laughs> they were like, it worked for Blair Witch Project, so just hold the camera. <laughs> so, Pretty um, much. The, the best part about this is the plot synopsis literally just says two college friends unwittingly release Pinhead and his minions. That's all we get. Yep. So it's a it's a bad flick. But we open uh, we open the movie with some found footage nonsense of Nico Bradley and Stephen Craven on a road trip to Mexico talking about partying and getting laid. And going to a donkey show in Tijuana. Tijuana. <laughs> Then we jump to a scene where their car has been stolen and they're flipping out. And then we cut again to see Nico in a dingy room opening the lament configuration while Steven <laughs> records him. Suddenly, good value pinhead shows up and tells Nico, you open the box and we came. And then we get the whole angels to some, demons to others, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like it just, 
immediately I don't care because when we see that pinhead, I'm like, who the fuck are you? Like, yep. You're not pinhead, you poser. And he's got those Bobby Moynihan cheeks, too. Yeah. And those, his eyes are the so cheek. cartoonish. And the expressions on his face is like when Bobby Moynihan was on SNL and he would be like, do that smile like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am a big like Bobby Moynihan fan, too, but it just. Yeah. <sighs> it's it's bad. <laughs> like, I mean, okay, if you had to get a different actor to play Pinhead, fine. But why did you have to get a guy that was so goofy looking? <laughs> right. Uh, but we pan out and we see Steven's mom, Sarah, watching a recording of this scene on a camera. Uh, her daughter, Emma, comes in and interrupts her, telling her that dad just buzzed the Bradleys in. So we see Mr. and Mrs. Bradley coming up the driveway to this this house on a hill. And they're greeted oh, my by... God. <laughs> They're greeted by dad, Ross Craven, and led inside. I got shit to say. First of all, we, we have to mention that Nico is dating Emma. Yes. Steven's sister. Mm-hmm. Second of all, these people live in a fucking McMansion in in L.A. Mm-hmm. And they're driving a fucking Dodge Charger. <laughs> really? That doesn't happen. <laughs> Gotta save money somehow. That's all the studio could afford. <laughs> exactly. They told me the to of... bring their real cars. That's what I was yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh god. So I love the awkward dinner scene though, because it was almost like there was no script here. They were all just like, "Oh, that was really good food. Oh, you can cook well. Oh, you want some wine? I sure do." Like <laughs> it was just <laughs> the dumbest dialogue. It wasn't even I like cheese. Like, that right. is an insult to I like cheese. I feel like they, they had a script that just said, conversation goes here. So they had to just all be like, um, okay, we talk now. Conversate and action. <laughs> oh, man. So we, we find out uh, they eventually get to, to the topic of Nico and Steven. And we find out how nobody wants to talk about what happened. And Emma kind of flips out because she wants to know what happened to her boyfriend and her brother. So <clears throat> she I gets mad. I want to talk about it now. She's like fucking Veruca Salt. <laughs> right. Daddy, I want a golden goose. Well, as she brings <laughs> up, she's like, you, you hired a private investigator. What did he find? And they're like, nothing, nothing. Never mind. She's like, what about that tape? And then mom flips out because he was she was watching the tape. And then, you know, Emma takes off running (laughs) because mom screams, you shut up and go to your room. But her her (laughs) her acting was so bad because it was like she went from this mousy woman to you shut up and go to your room. Like, because acting like, oh, it was it was awful. She was going for the for the Oscar nomination. Uh And then we cut from this scene. To Pinhead standing in his little spooky abattoir, listening as Dad scolds Emma for upsetting her mother and ruining dinner. And I'm like, wait, where is Pinhead that he's hearing this? Like, is he hanging out in the closet? Like, we find out where Pinhead is, which I got some shit to say about that. But he's just, like, listening. Like, he's tilting his head and listening to the sky where we hear (laughs) this voiceover of Ross and Emma. And I'm like, wait, what? So... I'll just say it here. Apparently, the the makers of this film 
thought that Pinhead and the gang work like genies. That they're just inside the box. That they're just yep. chilling, waiting. I'm like, no, this it's not a fucking Pokeball. It's not the genie's lamp. It's a it's a key that opens to hell. Like it opens to another dimension. This is explained multiple times in all of the films. Why are they suddenly in a fucking Pokeball? Like this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, it made me so angry. But so Emma goes to her. He's brother. like the nosy neighbor. <laughs> he really is. He even has He's Gladys Kravitz. <laughs> he was like, oh, what'd they say? He's listening in. But so Emma goes to her brother's room, digs through his bag, gets the camera out and begins watching the tape. We now see some found footage of the adventures of Nico and Steven as they drink tequila in creepy areas of Mexico. <laughs> also, we're, we're given the impression that this is like several years that they've right. been missing. And you mean to tell me that tonight is the night that Emma was like, that's it. I'm not fuck my mom. I'm going to watch that tape. Exactly. Like, did they just get the bag delivered by a private investigator like the day before? Right. <laughs> you know, like, how long has it been? So, they, you know, we see the two of them in Mexico. They end up hitting on some random woman. And uh, her turns out to be a sex worker. Indeed. And <laughs> we, we cut to uh, Nico fucking her in the bathroom, pissing off Steven because he wanted to fuck her first and he doesn't like sloppy seconds. That's my girlfriend. <laughs> Seriously. And so we we cut back to Emma slamming the camera shut in horror. But then as the viewer, we still get to see what happens. So even though it's quote unquote found footage and we shouldn't see anymore because we see Emma close the camera, the director was like, no, no, no. We need to see what happens next. Go on. <laughs> so. And then we get the, there's a dead whore in the stall. <laughs> well, because Nico wakes up Steven, who's passed out on the bathroom floor. He's like, get up. I want to go get breakfast. Like, basically, Fucking whores always make me hungry. <laughs> and then we find her dead in the stall with her head bashed in. And he's like, dude, what happened? He's like, uh, I don't know. She slipped. Like, <laughs> seriously, though, he obviously killed her. Right. But, like, why? <laughs> well, then Steven flips up. He's like, well, if, if she slipped and it was an accident, we need to call the cops. And he's like, hey, man, I ain't going to no Mexican jail. Like, do you know oh, what they do God. to gringos in jail? <laughs> oh, the, have I mentioned already how bad the acting is? <laughs> because it was really horrible. Oh, uh. uh, it's so bad. So Nico points out that Steven videotaped them fucking and it'll look like he was his accomplice. So he'd be in trouble, too. Because he can't erase the footage. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Steven goes to erase the footage and Nico grabs the camera saying that as long as this footage exists, we're, we're forced to work together. So it's the director's ham fisted way of saying uh, this is why the family can watch the tape. <laughs> because yep. Nico needed him to have it for reasons like oh <laughs> movie's got a movie <laughs> oh, this movie shouldn't have movied <laughs> <sighs> but back in steven's room emma starts rummaging through his bag and finds the lament configuration because of course she does <laughs> we, we need that there like all these years mom never never found it like never thought 
watching the uh, being so obsessed with watching that video. Yep. She never once like picked up the box and was like, "Ooh, what does this do?" Especially because later, mom's like, "Where did you get that from?" <laughs> She's right. like, "You know, you know where I got it from." She's like, "You watched the tape." <laughs> it's like, what the fuck. <laughs> but. So Pinhead eavesdrops on the Bradleys and Cravens conversation from his hidey hole inside the Pokeball (laughs) (laughs) as they discuss what they should do and what was on the tape. So Peter Bradley, Nico's dad, goes off trying to figure out why Nico would run off in the first place. And I'm like, wait, I thought this was a road trip. Like it started off them talking about going to Disney World Mm -hmm. and then they're like, oh, no, we're actually going to go to Mexico and get your dick wet. And it's like, so, so <laughs> how did it turn into them running away from home? What They were going to go live at the happiest place on earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, the family is acting like they ran away for the rest of the movie. And then eventually we find we out. We find out they did. Right. And it's like, <laughs> then why did we start the movie with them going to Disney World? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. But he suggests that maybe Emma broke it off or broke it off with Nico, you know, before they left. And that's why he went and right as Emma's walking in. She gets pissed off and walks outside in a huff while Peter mumbles. Oh. It was just a question. <laughs> so we see Emma sitting by the pool playing with the lament configuration while we get a voiceover of Nico yelling at the good value pinhead. Who are you and what do you want? He goes, who are you? you? What do you want? I was cackling when I wrote that down because I'm like, holy shit, he actually said, who are you? What do you want? That was plagiarized from Black Christmas. (laughs) And then he goes, the box, you opened it, we came. And I'm like, didn't we already hear that in the opening? (laughs) Like, (laughs) This is literally repeat himself. It's recycled footage 10 minutes later. Like, so bad. <laughs> Which is worse than Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. <laughs> because exactly. at least the recycled footage was an entirely different movie. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a good point. <laughs> they're, they're padding their own time with repeats of their own film. Yep. Oh, man. So... Oh, we also can't forget the weird choir singing and church bells for no reason. Every time, right? like, pinheads are out, it's like, oh, Santa Sana. It's like, wait, what? What the fuck happened? <laughs> uh, Santa Sana, what? Exactly. Santa Sana squash banana. Um, I was singing the part from Rafiki in The Lion King. <laughs> I fulfill your wishes with my taco flavored kisses. <laughs> Remember that from South Park? Oh, Jenny from the block. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Emma pops the box open slightly and we get a quick flash of Nico's face being pulled with chains while Steven watches and then someone grabs Emma's shoulder and she screams. Suddenly she comes walking inside with a bloody and confused Steven. The family freaks out. Steven seems in shock. And the Bradleys run outside looking for Nico while the Cravens check Steven and realize the blood that's on him isn't his. So how did he get there? The Cenobite Express? Exactly. Well, he was in the Pokeball, too. She opened it a little bit. That's right. (laughs) Just the tip. She was like, Steven, I choose you. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so Emma tries to call 911, but the line is out. And then uh, Kate Bradley, Nico's mom, suggests using her cell. And Ross tells her, oh, well, there's no signal up here. That's why we have a landline. Because, again, movie's got a movie. Right. And you got to explain why no one can use the phone. Exactly. This was that awkward time period in Hollywood where, like, they didn't know how to write cell phones out of a scene or how to just write cell phones into the scene and make it still work. So there was always some awkward explanation of why a cell phone wouldn't work. You know, it's like, oh, there's lead paint. <laughs> there was always something <laughs> stupid. I was busy smoking crack and I burned the burned the wires. Well, <laughs> at least they didn't clone the phone in this one. Ah, yes. The, the, the ah, famous yes. clone of phone. <laughs> oh, God. So they uh, they need to get help, but the nearest neighbors are four miles away. Peter runs out front to get his car, but surprise, surprise, all the cars are gone. Dude! Where's my car? Exactly. You mean to tell me they only had one car each? Seriously? Or maybe only one of the actors could bring their car on set? Or only one act, two (laughs) actors had cars to bring on set? I'm going to guess only two actors had cars to bring on set. (laughs) Oh, but so Stephen wakes up and mumbles, don't let them find me here. I won't go back. (laughs) Dad goes, he's obviously in shock. Let's get him some blankets and water. <laughs> like his, his turn to super serious dad cracked me up. And I'm like, so at this point, it's pretty fucking clear what's going on. Like clearly they're in their own version of hell, just like in Hellraiser Inferno. We saw this before. Shit's not going to make sense for a while. You're trapped in limbo, whatever. And then it's... there's a twist. <laughs> yes. But we get the ridiculous parlor scene where the dads have an almost fight. <laughs> Peter's <sighs> like, he goes, I want answers. And Ross is like, calm down, buddy boy. <laughs> like it's, oh, it's yep. And they discuss the possibility that Steven and Nico were kidnapped and maybe someone is still out there. And that's why their cars are gone. <laughs> so Peter asks if he has a gun and he goes very slowly. He inhales. He's like, yes. <laughs> and Sarah is like, what? what, what, what? That's, what that's what cracked me up because she cuts her, like, she goes from looking somber to shocked eyes. She's like, what? And then immediately back to normal face. Because acting. Yep. Uh, so the group goes around and locks all the doors and windows, but. All of the doors are just panes of glass. So it's like, they're fuck- if someone's out there, they're getting in. <laughs> it's like throw a rock and your defenses are fucked. Yep. But, so we zoom in on the lament configuration, just sitting on the coffee table and then zoom inside to Pinhead's Pokeball. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> this is where I kind of put the, put the pieces together. Cause I was like, wait. Wait a second. Is he actually in the box? <laughs> like, is that what they're telling me? I was so confused. Santa bite in a box. <laughs> Santa bite in a box. It's hell in a box. Yep. Uh, so we finally get a good look here at how terrible this pinhead is. Because he, he finally turns straight to the camera and we're like, oh, God, what's going on there? But when he turns, we get. Pinhead the sequel coming out. There's little baby pinhead. pinhead. And you think at this point that it's Nico. Mm-hmm. 
but he comes out and he hands Pinhead something that we don't get to see what it is because it's all, you know, covered in blood. And I'm like, why show us Is it his tongue? Right. Like, I mean, this will make sense in a second, but why this scene was here makes no sense to me because it's like, we didn't need to see him hand him something bloody for this next scene to work. Like, so there's just a moment of random Cenobite interaction. Back to the fodder in the parlor with some more stellar dialogue. And uh, Sarah's looking at the gut. I love this. She goes, what are you going to do with that anyway? And Ross goes, whatever I have to do. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. It's honest work. (laughs) I wrote in the comment, please use it on me so I don't have to keep watching this garbage fire. I really did, even though it's like an even though it's only like an hour and five minutes long. I kept looking like, oh my god, how much longer? Uh, right? Oh, it was so bad. So we get a bunch more useless dialogue, <laughs> like the whole "Are you okay?" No, yes, maybe. Sorry, blah 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 blah. And then back back to Pinhead and his little pal. We see that uh, he handed Pinhead a square of skin, and Pinhead nails it to his head while telling him birth is pain. Basically, you know, he's doing some Cenobite shit. Yep. <laughs> so, Cenobite's gonna Cenobite. Exactly. Back to the parlor where Emma is playing with the box and Peter is asking her about it. Sarah yells at Emma for having it, going, where did you get that? And then she's like, you know where I got it, mother! Oh. I, like, I learned, I got it from you! I got it from watching you! <laughs> this acting, oh Christ, so bad. So then the Bradleys realize it's the same box that Nico was playing with in the video, and they look annoyed with the Cravens for never telling them that they had it. And then Emma... And Sarah's like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know. Right. And I love how confident Emma, like, suddenly, very confidently says, it opens, and she begins fucking with the box. She and then turns, gets really horny. Not yet. No, that's coming up. Because this is the part where she turns the, the section of the cube, and, like, the whole house begins to shake, and we get the eerie oh, blue light. Right. And Ross is like, it's an earthquake. And I'm like, do your earthquakes come with blue light? (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't make sense. So we get the montage of the family looking terrified. We see Steven open his eyes. We see Cenobites standing around while chicken feathers fall on them. I'm like, what? (laughs) Who's who's shaking a chicken? It's the chicken lady. (laughs) The chicken lady is a Cenobite. Yep. In this movie, she is. <laughs> and then we see the, the spinning pole with the faces on it. Two random lady Cenobites make it out while Good Value Pinhead looks bored and says, it's almost time. And then everything stops and goes back to normal, except Steven is suddenly gone. <laughs> and it takes them a couple to, like, notice. Right. So... They look around trying to like try to find him. They find him standing outside by the pool. Oh my god! Now this cracks me up. There, there's a line here. He goes. He he says they're coming. The ones that and then it literally says in the subtitles, indistinct in parentheses, because yep. the guy mumbles something. He's like the ones that. <laughs> it's like wait what? And then he goes that vagrant called the Cenobites. He said they could take the pain away. He said that they could show us something different, something better, something beyond the limits. And then we smash cut to a titty bar in Mexico. We see yep. Nico. 
Nico and Steven getting wasted, and Steven is freaking out, thinking they're going to get caught. Nico reminds him that life is cheap there, and there's easily a hundred killings a week. She's already just a number. Like, oh god, Nico, you you trying to do the whole evil villain shtick doesn't work. And then so, we meet Hobo with a puzzle box. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or as I said, the great value, Brad Dwarf. Oh god. <laughs> He kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> but, Especially the, 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 the early scenes when he has the long hair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking. Uh, oh, my God. Why? Why? Charles Lee Ray. Yeah. Charles Lee Ray. I was like, yeah, I couldn't think of it for a minute either. I should I should have said the Great Valley Charles Lee Ray. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it totally it's at a beard on Charles Lee Ray. And you got this. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> but he just randomly sits down with them and tells them, I can see you're looking for a way out. <laughs> They're like, we're not interested in whatever you're selling. He smirks and slaps the puzzle box on the table. Nico wants to know what it is. Steven has no interest. The hobo tells him that the box is experience, ultimate arousal, better than sex, better than killing. It has no limit. 20 mana. <laughs> exactly. He goes, it will take you to places you can't even imagine. So Nico goes, how much? And of course like, the hobo's like, it's already yours, Nico. Oh, but, I thought he was going to say Tijuana. <laughs> Tijuana. <laughs> and, well, they, and later on, Nico is convinced that if he opens it up, it's going to give him two tickets to a donkey show. So, you know. Yep. <laughs> he literally says, it's probably got two tickets to a donkey show inside. Like, why? Why would that have that? Oh, I hate Nico. But... <laughs> So the hobo leaves and we cut to Nico and Steven in their motel room with Nico trying to open the puzzle box while Steven argues with him that he wants to go. Trying to look like Frank from part one. Right. And uh, he's like, I'm going to get my parents to wire me some money and I'm going to leave. And then we get another example of acting as Nico turns on Steven, basically calling him a pussy and telling him that he's always running back to mommy and daddy. And he goes, get the camera, record me opening the box. It's like, oh, God. So now we see again the same footage we already saw of Nico opening the box. Yep. Like, it's the same fucking scene. (laughs) It sure is. Oh, so, you know, Pinhead shows up, blah, blah, blah. You open the box. We came, yada, yada. Cut back to Steven looking horrified, talking to, to Nico or talking to his and Nico's families. So the Bradleys beg Stephen, asking him where their son is. He tells him that he didn't want to come back. He wanted to stay. So we cut to Stephen wandering the streets of Mexico, picking up a random hooker and taking her back to his room. <laughs> they have the most. Oh, no, awesome. I thought it was her room. No, no, the next one is her room. Oh, OK. No, I know which one you're thinking of. Yeah, no, that's 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 the next one because they go back to, to his room and a very awkward sex scene on the bed where he grabs the puzzle box and just starts cracking her upside the head because Nico is calling him from the, the I'm not even going to call it a puzzle box, calling him from the Pokeball and, or the Pokecube. <laughs> and he's like, I need her blood, Steven. So he cracks her in the head with the box and then suddenly skinless Nico pops out from under the covers and the mattress like, peekaboo. <laughs> yep. And he goes, her blood, her blood brought me back. Bring me more. Um, nom, 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 nom. And starts eating her face. 
<sighs> like, mm-hmm. all right. Julia coming out of the mattress in part two looked creepy and awesome, and it was a simple effect. This was literally skinless man coming out from under an Afghan. Like, it was... <laughs> like, he was laying in the bed next to them, like, ha-ha, I have arrived. <laughs> There's oh, a dead so... Nico in my mattress. <laughs> There's a dead fucking Nico in the mattress. <laughs> oh, Lord, it was so bad. So back to Stephen by the pool where he tells his family, they're coming, the Cenobites. They don't like to lose souls. <laughs> well, because Dad looks at Stephen and goes, what do they want? And Stephen looks at him with the dumbest expression. He goes, they want to experience your flesh. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh my God. And he tries to sound like like an old, like universal actor. <laughs> and it's just so bad. And then he passes out. And at this point, I have in my notes how much time is left. 40 minutes. Fuck my life. <laughs> they are coming for you, father. They are coming for you right now. Oh, God. <laughs> They've been trapped in the Pokeball a long time. <laughs> oh, I hate it. So the family puts him to bed. And Emma tells us the definition of a Cenobite, you know, because... They needed to, apparently. She's like, it's a member of a monast- uh, uh, monastic Monastic. Community. Thank you. I can't say that word. Monastic community. Because, you know, we got to pad the runtime somehow. Like, mm. really? Do we need to know this? Like, uh, whatever. So, <laughs> Peter holds up the box, suggesting that maybe it's an antique and they stole it. Meanwhile, we see Stephen having a Cenobite wet dream where he gets his face peeled off and tells us, pain and pleasure indivisible, and then wakes up screaming because he jizzed in his pants. <laughs> a jizzed in my pants. <laughs> and so they, they talk to Stephen and try to understand what's going on and, and what the box is. He tells him it's a key. When they ask to what, he tells him he doesn't know. So Peter and Emma sit at the kitchen table futzing with the box. And this is where Emma gets all horned up. Oh, it's she starts it's like creepy. breathing heavy and staring at Nico's dad. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he's dad's kind of into it. Yeah. He's just drinking his beer or his, his shot. Like, oh, really? What you got there? Like, he's just looking at her like, Ugh. meanwhile, Emma's mom is making soup. And <laughs> Nico's uh, Nico's wife is washing dishes watching her husband stare at this young girl like it's a very awkward scene oh but there's a more awkward one coming up very soon oh oh yes yes i, I was gonna say not as awkward as as that scene <laughs> so bob gives emma a bowl of soup to take to steven and takes the box away from her emma gets up and walks away rubbing peter's back as she goes and he gets all excited again in front of his wife and the girl's mom And then turns and looks at both of them and is like, oh, and starts drinking again. Like, oh, fucking, that's terrible. So Emma brings the soup to Stephen, but finds him sleeping and decides, well, fuck it, I'm going to drink it. (laughs) So she starts (laughs) drinking his soup. He wakes up and is like, are you drinking my soup? And she's like, oh, shit, sorry. I'm like, why was that (laughs) scene even there? And so the the two start talking and we get this very cryptic thing about how Stephen felt he had to leave because things were going on and it was too much. It's like, all right, so something happened to you? No, we find out later nothing happened to him. 
It was basically Nico and Steven's, you know, dad and mom were screwing around. So that made them run away from home. Like it's it's the lamest reason you can think of. Especially if they're supposed to be in college. Right. Like, like just get your own fucking apartment. Yeah. Go move on with your life. <laughs> so you know, she asks him where he went and, and what he did. And he goes everywhere and everything. He then tells her that he brought the puzzle box back for her. She asks him if it's a puzzle, and he says it's the answer. And she goes, I don't understand. He goes, you will. And I'm like, ooh, cryptic and spooky. Fuck you. Like, it's just so bad. And then we get incest. (laughs) We, (laughs) Henry Lee Lucas taught us no sister diddling. (laughs) Yeah, because he suddenly leads into, he's like, you're so beautiful and grown up. And she's like, oh, like, okay. (laughs) Wouldn't you be a little creeped out if your sibling said that to you? Yep. I was actually <laughs> creeped out watching that scene. Yes. And then she, and, but she's like, oh, how sweet. And then he leans in for a kiss and she's like, yeah, we're doing this. All right. And she goes in too. It's like, what? and she's a oh. pig for that. Oh, yeah. And then he just reaches down and starts grabbing her boob. And we get, <laughs> she's like, we get the, uh, the, the quick, cut like images of faceless Steven making out with his sister and then tears off her titty. <laughs> she runs yep. away. Cause that's what God does when you sist- when you sister diddle. He tears <laughs> tits off. Yep. <laughs> Don't commit incest. They'll tear your tits off. <laughs> oh my God. So Emma freaks out and rushes out of the room. Back to the parents discussing the box and just what the fuck is going on. Peter suggests that maybe Steven was the one that cut the phones and hid the cars. And Ross gets pissed off. Peter apologizes and then suggests, well, let's go outside and look around and see if there's anyone really out there. Ross agrees and they head outside. And I love this because they're out there for all of two seconds. Like they walk halfway down the little walkway to the front yard. And Ross goes, well, shit, I guess it was Steven. Sorry, pal. Like... (laughs) Wait, what? <laughs> like, but then you look for two seconds. But then Hobo with the puzzle box shows up. Right. Oh, oh, this this is great. This is the best dialogue in the movie. Because <laughs> Ross asks what he wants and he doesn't answer. So Peter grabs the shotgun from him and points it at the hobo, going, This is private property, jerk off. That means that legally I can blow the shit out of you right now and ask questions later. So Shane at this point was sitting with me and he's just like, he's like doing something on his phone. He goes, pretty sure they don't have a stand your ground law in California. Not only that, but think about how he worded that. He didn't, he, he said, blow the shit out of you. So he didn't say like, blow you away, shoot you. But I can legally blow the shit out of you. It sounds like he's going to aggressively molest him. Like, or giving him an enema. I think that's what he wanted to do. Right. I'm like, that's the line you want to go with? You, you sure you don't want to do a retake? Like, all right, then. <laughs> so the hobo smiles and tells him, the one that got away is here. They will have him again. And I'm like, ooh, spooky cryptic Cenobite shit. So and then he says, wait, what? You want to blow me? <laughs> He's like, oh, well, shit. I didn't know it was that kind of party. I mean, you look cleaner than the others. <laughs> In Tijuana. 
<laughs> it's like, I'm used to a donkey. Um, <laughs> so and suddenly this became Clerks too. No, no, no. Oh, oh, that's horrible that I even said that. How yeah, can I, I saying, desecrate that? Oh, I'm sorry, Clerks Kevin 2 Smith. is so much better. Because, <laughs> so, you know, Kevin Smith listens to our podcast. So. Oh, of course. He, he listens mm-hmm. to all the podcasts. <laughs> So Peter is uh, Peter turns and shoots him and the ladies hear the gunshots and come running out. And uh, Rasta's like, stay inside. And then Peter is yelling, who wants some? Who's next? Like, <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Right. <laughs> he turns back around and Hobo McPeepee smell just jumps up and like he grabs Peter by the face and starts cutting his head with a hook knife. Now, we see, like, uh, Peter falls over screaming. We see, like, a little bit of flesh stuck on the blade. I thought he well, scalped him. I, well, there wasn't a lot of flesh hanging off that blade, because I rewound it, because we're going to see next what happened. Like, right. it, it looks like about two inches worth of skin. Uh, they, and, and I will say, this is the part I said is genuinely creepy, because after Peter, like, falls down screaming... The smile the hobo gives Ross while holding up the bloody knife. I'm like, that's actually kind of creepy. It reminded me a little bit of the movie The Depraved, which terrifies me. But that's what? All of a second in this entire hour and 15 minute abomination? Yep. It's <laughs> like, that's nowhere near I thought he just, I thought he just skinned like the tip of his hairline. Just the tip. Just to right. see how it feels. <laughs> and that's the thing. It didn't look like it was a lot. They drag his ass in, and he fucking took Steven's or Peter's face off. I'm yeah. like, okay. When did that happen? I was like, I it like it looked like he cut his hairline, and now there's like his entire face is missing, and he just like <laughs> gurgles and dies on the kitchen floor. He's like, <laughs> he's like he's dead. So, bye bye, Peter. <laughs> Everyone screams and flips out. The family gathers in the living room, distraught over what just happened. And Steven just comes walking in with the shotgun. And they leave the fucking door wide open. Right. But I love it because Ross is like, oh, be careful, son. The gun is loaded. And he goes, oh, and just shoots dad in the gut. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? The hell just happened? And then he basically tells everyone to shut the fuck up and explains how much he hates it there and how Nico did too. And that's why they had to escape. And then he goes off on this rant about how generic and boring his life is. And it's like, all right, where did this come from? <laughs> and his I, emo's I, coming out. Right? <laughs> but I love Ross's reaction here because he goes, it doesn't have to be that way, Stephen. You'll understand when you have children. I'm like, hold on. You just got shot in the gut by what you think is your son. And you're like, there, there, son. One day you'll understand. Like, no, you're dying from a gut shot. (laughs) Oh, I hate it. He's he's hoping for a a grandchild. Apparently. He's going to forget this all happened. (laughs) Well, then. Steven flips out on his dad and basically gives us an anti-parenthood PSA. Yep. <laughs> then pokes dad in the gut with a shotgun like, meh, and just pokes his wound. <laughs> so Ross tells him, this isn't you, Steven. This isn't you talking. 
And Stephen goes, that's the first sensible thing you said all night. So, you know, in case we haven't figured it out, they're pulling an Uncle Frank, guys. Like, Yep. Oh, man. It's it, it's so telegraphed from the incest scene forward. We like uh, It's bad. So we cut to Steven getting another hooker in Mexico while Nico does his best dark or is, is dressed in his best dark man cosplay. Um, <laughs> he really is. <laughs> and they, they go back to her room and Steven begins choking her out. And suddenly we hear a baby crying. Steven stop, stops and sees that she has a child in the room and freaks out. Nico tells him to do it to kill her. He refuses and he goes, you're weak. He goes, you do it yourself. I can't do it. She has a baby. And he walks out. And I'm like, so wait, hold on. You're like, I'm not going to kill a mother. But if you want to, by all means, like, I'm not going to try to stop you. Live your best life. Oh, so Nico tells him to leave. He murders the lady. And then he said, Stephen sits in the hallway crying. We hear the baby crying. The baby be killed. Yeah, we hear that loud, like, snap. And then the baby's like, meh. I know, crying. I was like, did they really just kill a baby? <laughs> they this sure get well, any off, worse. Off screen. Yep. Well, the, the one thing they didn't show us is Nico kill, kicked a puppy on his way out, too. So, just to really show you how badass he was. But they cut back to Steven uh, and skinless Nico in their motel room. And Steven tells him that he can't do this anymore. He's done. Nico says he, he only has to do it one more time to bring him a man this time so he can take his skin. Steven refuses, saying, I've given you everything, even the shirt off my back. And he goes to leave. So Nico pops him in the head with a fucking lamp that pulls a switchblade and goes, it's not your shirt I want. And I'm like, oh, God, (laughs) it's so bad. So we cut back to Nico, Steven terrorizing the family. We get this whole back and forth here where we find out that Steven's dad was fucking Nico's mom and yada, yada, the breakdown of American family values. And I'm like, you know, none of this is enough motive to do what you're doing. Right. Like, at least in part one, there was this whole like bizarre love triangle happening. Like that, that, you can believe a little more in the passion of it all. This is just like, I'm bored and my mom's fucking somebody. Man, like I'm going to kill my family. It's so bad. Uh, but basically this entire back and forth villain speech is just to burn up some more runtime. So Sarah asks, where's Steven? And we cut back to a room in Mexico. We see Nico leaving in his Steven skin suit. Well, Steven begs him like, not to. He's looking in that ratty ass mirror. Like, Making sure that everything is sticking properly. <laughs> He's like, are my cheekbones on straight? With Steven's little my first beard. Oh god, that that pew beard. Oh, so yep. <laughs> but he walks away and, and Steven's like, wait. And then we see skinless Steven hand reach up and grab the the you know Hellraiser Pokeball. <laughs> so and, Emma brings the box into the room and asks him, or I'm sorry, I missed a part before that. Uh, Nico tells her to go grab the box. So Emma brings the box back into the room and she asks why he needs it. And we get his big villain speech where basically he wants to use the box to call Pinhead and the gang and offer them a trade. His soul for Emma's. 
So Emma stabs Nico in the side with a knife. <laughs> like, fuck you. And he pops her with the gun and yells at her to open the box. So now we get the scene you were talking about, where uh, she's sitting on the table doing her best Uncle Frank impression, surrounded by candles and trying to open the box. Wait, did we skip the part where fake Steve, Sneeko, we'll call him Steeko. <laughs> Sneeko? Sneeko gets up Sneak. in dad's face and is like, I had your little girl. How does it oh, make yeah. you feel that I was the first one inside of her and I was the first cock in her mouth? Like, oh, that's so unnecessary. Yeah, that was that was in that scene where he's basically torturing the family just to burn up runtime. Like, yeah. I didn't write down all the dialogue because I'm like, none of this dialogue is even worthy of mentioning. Well, it, the reason I brought it up is because I got confused when Pinhead comes around, but I'll I'll talk about that when when it happens. But no, you're 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 absolutely right. Like that was his big villain moment was to like be like, ha ha, look what a dirtbag I am, and it's like. Ugh. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's, it's awful. But she gets it open and the bargain outlet Cenobites come. So. <laughs> the Ollies. <laughs> the Ollie Cenobites, yes. Yep. Good stuff cheap. This ain't good. <laughs> oh. So this is where we find out that Pinhead the sequel is actually Steven. It's like, oh, surprise, surprise. So the family begs for their lives. Good value Pinhead tells him to sit in silence. And I love it because Kate just can't. She's like, Nico made Emma open the box. And he's like, bitch, I told you to shut up. And he rips her <laughs> throat he... open with hooks. She, she called that a butterfly. <laughs> like, that's, I guess, an actual yeah. thing. Yeah, he did. Like, it, it literally hooked in, like, four spots and, and pulled her throat wide open. And... I mean, like, to be fair, he did say to mind your business. Like, <laughs> he did. <laughs> you know, he did. Fair tell warning. But, so <clears throat> I love it because Stephen Pinhead runs up and cuts a piece of, of Kate's cheek off. Like, whoo, I got another piece of skin to nail to my face. <laughs> I'm going to call him Puzzle Face. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> Look at that little Puzzle Face. What's he doing? <laughs> And then Pinhead whacks. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Pinhead waxes on and on about how legendary Nico's suffering suffering will be. Blah blah blah. Basically, all the shit we've heard before in better movies. And um, he tells them that Emma will one day get all horned up and call on her own. <laughs> She's like, "One day your pleasures will run out, and you will call us." So I was a little confused here because he makes some comment about the black seed. Yeah. That's, I know. That it Nico it... planted in her. So I was like, wait, is she pregnant? That's what it, like I thought at first too, but I'm like, no, because it's been a couple of years. So I think, I think he's just referring to like giving her a taste of like dark desires, like something stupid like that. I just, ugh, it was, it was, we're never going to know. Cause this movie should, well, first of all, it shouldn't exist, let alone ever have a sequel. Right, because <laughs> the sequel, the Hellraiser sequel, has no sequel to this. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so he basically says, you know, hey, we'll see you later. And Ross gets all pissed off and shoots Nico in the gut, saying, "No one gets to kill you but me." And Nico's like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> he passes out. He like he passes away. And uh, Pinhead's basically like, "You done fucked up, son. We was gonna leave you alone." 
But but now there's a debt. No, to no, pay. no. He's like, there's a flesh debt to pay. So we're going to take your wife because Ross is like, take me. And he's like, nah, you're already dead. You're dying of that gunshot. We're going to take your wife. And I love it because Sarah just looks neutral the entire time until there are literally hooks in her face. I think she's heavily medicated and drunk. Right. And then freaking, you know, uh, Puzzle Face comes up to her and he, he says something about, you know, how all flesh is suffering, blah, 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 blah. And then she screams and gets dragged into the darkness. So Pinhead looks at Emma again and tells her they'll be waiting. They disappear. Emma cries and holds her dad as he dies because he's like, Emma, black. <laughs> he just dies. Shane's like, she's like, how how's she gonna explain that to the police? Right. But then she grabs the puzzle box and looks at the camera like, I'ma do it. <laughs> and then we get the right. credits. <laughs> credits the end. Fuck you. <laughs> like. Oh, it was so bad. Like, this movie yep. is so bad. I I can't say that I hate it more than Black Christmas, but God, it's close. It really is close. Black Christmas is a masterpiece compared to this. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> See, Black Christmas just pisses me off. This is just bad filmmaking. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean... As far as as uh, trivia goes, there's not a whole hell of a lot. It's stuff that we could we've already talked about, or that you could pretty much guess from watching this abomination. Um, Doug Bradley was approached; they did offer him a chance to reprise his role, and he was like, "You know, are you going to do a second draft?" Because he thought that the, the script wasn't. He's like, "It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't finished." He's like, "There wasn't enough story there." And when he found out that they weren't going to do it, he's like, I don't want to be attached. And then he was also quoted as saying that his uh, salary would be cut down to that of the price of a fridge. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he referred to this as a cinematic ash can copy because it was it was literally like a pitch. And then that's it. They filmed it. Um, and then there was a really funny quote from Barker where uh, they <laughs> it didn't even come out of my asshole. Because yeah, he, he said that it says from the mind of Clive Barker and he immediately went to Twitter and said, hello, my friends, I want to put on record that that flick out there using the word Hellraiser is no fucking child of mine. I have nothing to do with the fucking thing. If they claim it's from my uh, from the mind of Clive Barker, it's a lie. It's not even from my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, good on you. <laughs> oh, but yeah, seriously. Anyone listening to this who has not seen this movie, I can't even recommend that you watch it once just to see it. Like, if you're a Hellraiser fan, just skip it. Like, there's there's literally no reason to watch. There's no redeeming qualities here. Even the titties. Wish, we didn't even mention right. in it. Because they that couldn't even help it. <laughs> or you gonna I say? wish someone was there to guide me before I watched it. So, guys, I'm I'm really doing you a solid. This is true. What well, this is this <laughs> this one is like a PSA episode. Yes. <laughs> we are if trying, you or someone you know. <laughs> we are trying to help you. Do not watch this movie. It's so bad. Like the other movies this month, like of the of the hated films. Like I will say with Black Christmas 
I I know there's got to be an audience out there for it. I'm just not part of that audience. So I'm in fact, I do know I do know one of our listeners did enjoy that film. So I know that there is some people out there that do enjoy it and and good. Good on them Uh, with Texas Chainsaw. You know, that one, (laughs) there's some at least redeeming comedic value there. It's so bad that it's funny. This ain't even so bad. It's funny. This is just so bad. <laughs> like, I I really can't think of a damn good thing to say about this film other than it being short. That's it. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's like it's like Pinhead really needed money, so he got into bestiality porn. <laughs> it's because he couldn't pay he couldn't pay his rent in hell anymore. <laughs> Pinhead was doing the really bad porn just to make ends meet. Yep. Uh, They were threatening to send him back to the real world. Yep. Which actually happens in Judgment. Yes. But hey, at least we have a a, a new uh, Hellraiser remake or reboot coming out that actually sounds pretty damn good. Yes. Um, I am. Pinhead is is a chick. Yeah. But that's more in line with the book. Yeah. So. Because, well, well, in the book, I mean, the lead Cenobite was female and the Pinhead character was very androgynous. Like Pinhead, in fact, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been many years since I read it. But if I'm remembering the description correctly, it was that they they looked neither male nor female. Like they were almost like genderless. And Mm -hmm. the voice sounded both male and female at the same time. So... Pinhead's character in the book was very different and he was only in, or it was only in one scene. Um, you know, the main villain of the, the, the story is, is Frank. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with it. And, and I think that the fact that Barker is involved with it, we're going to get something fun. So I'm very excited about that, but this, uh -uh. any of the other Hellraiser movies I would recommend. I will go so far as to say, like, the first four movies are really fucking good. Like, I enjoy all four of them. I love um, the Cenobites in part three. See, and that's, I think, my favorite part about that movie. Because part three, there's a lot of stuff I don't like. I I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of moments where I'm like, like, I don't like a lot of the characters. There's a lot of moments I'm like, eh, but I love the looks of the Cenobites in that one. They, they're yeah. just awesome designs. There, there's some really creepy moments like when um the one girl gets fed to the pillar like yeah. that scene is really fucking creepy so like three really has a lot of redeeming qualities to it but part part four i think is a fucking masterpiece like i love part oh four. bloodline is my favorite it's so good um actually it, it changes much like with you and what is it the the uh, romero movies yeah, like it's your favorite when you're watching it. That's yep. that's really kind of how it is for me with with Hellraiser. See, I, yeah, I'm kind of torn because like for me, I like to watch one and two together. Like I always look at them as like that's one movie. They're uh, companions. Yeah, they're, it's it's very much like Halloween one and two. They fit together yeah. so neatly that you can just watch them back to back and it feels like one long film. Hellraiser three, like I said, it's got a lot to like, a lot, lot of stuff that I'm like, meh. Um, I liked the backstory. I liked that they gave, they kind of like told us who Pinhead was, which was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and then part four, you know, it's, I love the, the whole like jumping through time, seeing how the lament configuration was made. I love Angelique. Like, like there's a lot of cool stuff there. And then after that, it's like, 
you know, because they, they obviously got much lower budgets moving forward. But uh, still, there's a lot to love. You know, part five, I, f- I feel like, is the, the weakest of the, the direct-to-video before this. Um, but it's still a fun movie. It's an enjoyable flick. And I know we've talked about this on the show before, but I, I still think Hellworld is a ridiculously fun movie. I agree. Yeah, part, part eight does not get enough love. I mean, the ending is, is terrible. The, the part with, um, what's his name, Lance Hendrickson at the very end? Yeah. That part's dumb. But everything else is a lot of fun. Yeah, I really, I really like <clears throat> Hellworld. Yeah. But, uh, wow, this, is, this I, was a short episode. I was going to say, Hell I don't there's... think I've ever gotten past three. You've never seen Hellraiser Bloodline? Nope. <laughs> oh, dude. You like, really that, should. Yeah, that is definitely worth your time to watch. Because, like, that is actually a very solid film. Um, everything past that, it depends on how much you like Hellraiser. Like, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, how, I mean, Hellraiser's, you know, the, the first two movies I, I, I'm really into it, but I don't know, for some reason I just never moved past the first two or three. No, that's, that's fair. I actually that's okay. Know, yeah. I know quite a few people that Hellraiser isn't really their cup of tea. Like I know my sister doesn't really like them. Um, I know she's watched them, but like they're nef- definitely not her favorite. And um, I've, I've talked to quite a few horror fans that are like, you know, the whole uh, pleasure pain thing <laughs> isn't really their cup of tea. So, no, I mean, I love Pinhead as a character. I mean, yeah, it's just, oh, it's just one of those movies. You know, when they came out, I just never watched. And you know, now I'm, how many how many movies are out now, excluding this one? Uh, other other than this, nine. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's nine others. Okay, so, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that one day I won't sit down and try to watch all night, you know, catch up right. on them, because it's not a franchise I dislike. It's just that it's, I kind of, you know, forgot about it for a little while there, and yeah. got behind. I had to go but, and remind you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I have a break next week, so, well... Well, when this comes out, right. <laughs> I'll be on break this week. So maybe I'll do some Hellraiser. It's, I mean, I'll be honest. When when part five came out, I remember renting it from Blockbuster. Like that's, uh, we're, we're going old school here. I, I rented it like as soon as it came out. And I wasn't impressed. Like I thought the concept was okay. But overall, I thought it was kind of a crap movie. So I never watched six, seven and eight for a while. And it wasn't until, like, we we got Netflix back when it was, like, still mailing out the DVDs. <laughs> and um, we could have two movies at a time. And I'm like, ah, what the hell? I haven't seen these Hellraiser movies. So I got six and seven. And I watched part six, really enjoyed it. Part seven was kind of like, eh, okay. That, well, that was more, more along with five. And then I rented part eight, and I loved it. <laughs> so I was like, huh, all right, they're, they're doing pretty good. So I was excited you know, for more Hellraiser. And then we got this. <laughs> it was like, eh, shit. So I was yep. very trepidatious when part 10 came out, but pleasantly surprised. Part, part yeah, 10 is okay. I, I liked, I really liked 10. Yeah. But does anybody have any final thoughts on this abomination of a film? Nope. I think we covered it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got something. Don't watch it ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even be if you're someone who likes a- to Oh, good. I was, I was going to say, you'd be better off watching a, a original sci-fi channel movie. 
At least you'd laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even something? recommend this to any of our listeners who like to watch the movie before they listen to the podcast. That's true. That is true. Because um, I love our listeners that much. <laughs> and I, I, I do know that several people who listening to the show have unfortunately already seen this movie, so they know our pain. Um, but there are a few others. Strasburg, I'm looking at you. Don't watch this. <laughs> it's yeah, not don't. worth your time. Josh, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so <laughs> we're, we're getting out of here early on this one. But for uh, those of you not following us on social media, we are The Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice handles our Twitter. And what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's The. Thank you very much. Uh, we do have a Patreon. It's the Boogeyman's Closet. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as one exclusive episode per month. Um, anything higher will get you art in the mail and get you uh, the ability to like pick a birthday episode or, or pick a random episode throughout the year. So you get to get to torture us with whatever movie you want to watch. Um, but yeah, so check that out if you're interested. We are also part of the Rad Pantheon Network. So check out radpantheon.com for a bunch more uh, podcasts like this one, as well as some really awesome artists and musicians. And uh, yeah, for those of you that do like to watch our uh, movies before we cover them, our next episode will be 132 Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> this this is the uh, the listener pick hated episode. <laughs> so uh, we're finally going to get that one on here, man. I knew it was going to happen one day, but... Uh. Much like Black Christmas, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> but all right, guys, so I think we're going to wrap it up here. So as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Thank you.